Our scripture reading today is from Luke 24, but we will be beginning at verse 1, going through verse 12. I will be reading from the New International Version. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found a stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And the frightened woman bowed down her faces to the ground. And the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners. Be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered. When they came back from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to be like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering himself what happened. May God was blessing to the reading of his word. Good morning, church. Christ the Lord is risen. Amen. Amen. And Christ the Lord is risen indeed. It is great to be on this Easter Sunday with you. For those joining online, hello to you too. And uh, it is just so great to see everybody here today. I see a lot of visitors that are with us, maybe friends or family or just in the community and you came today. I want to thank you for coming. And I uh, also want to thank all those that brought these lovely flowers here today. We had a little uh, mishap in our ordering, but people brought them anyways. And uh, let me tell you, you must have brought the most potent Easter lilies you possibly could find. I forgot to take my allergy medicine this morning, and I am feeling the power today. Let me tell you, Christ, Christ is resurrected indeed. So someone offered me Benadryl earlier this morning, and I said, um, I don't think I'd make the second service. Let's just hold on. I'll just plow through it here today. But uh, it's great to be in worship with you. Let us pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, the most famous Easter sermon that was ever given was by a guy, a guy named John Chrysostom. And uh, he basically, in summary, maybe the base, biggest tagline, if you can, of that sermon was this, where he mocked death. And he said these words, you've heard them before, but where, O death, is thy sting? Where, O grave, is thy victory? Because Jesus Christ is risen. This is where you amen it, right? This is where you can amen this morning, people. It's okay. It's all right. Amen. We'll try it again. Jesus Christ is risen. Amen. That's there we go. Now we're at church. There we go. Jesus Christ is risen. But you know, it's been always interesting because, of course, Easter can't happen without a few other things that happened these last few days that we have remembered. And every year I feel it because, of course, as we remember what Jesus went through, whether it was the betrayal of the night of his last supper on Thursday, whether it was before being a prisoner before Pilate and Herod and and Caiaphas and all of them, and being beaten and scourged and everything else that he went through, being shouted crucify him or denied by his disciples, including Peter, to go through all that. And then, of course, Good Friday, where he hung on that cross. As I relive those moments and into Saturday, even, even though we went to the zoo yesterday and it was a bright and beautiful day, I still felt the weight of how death and sin had almost conquered. 
And in fact, as I thought about those things, I began to reflect on my own life and the concerns that I have. And maybe you have some of these here today too. I'll just name what I'm kind of was on my heart and maybe you'd add some or take away some or maybe you'll recognize some of these yourself. But I began to think in these dark times of those dark days, if you will, of, oh my, inflation, right? My wife told me she went to go get some Q-tips the other day and they were $5 for the box. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how much Q-tips were before, but they weren't $5, right? And, and whatever else, you know, you're going through, whether it's going to get gas or just food. And every time you go, you go, wow, this is becoming a real issue, right? And especially for those that are on fixed incomes, you worry about them and you wonder how in the world can this continue on and yet ends be made. And then I remembered, as I got sad about that, the words, on the third day. I began to think these last days of, again, reminding myself, and I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes you just take a break from the news. I took a break from the news for a little bit and came back and looked at what was going on in the world, and I was sad. I saw violence. I saw death. I saw war still going on. I saw countries still trying to figure things out to just bring peace. I saw people leaving their homes and sheltered places just destroyed and people being in horrible situations. And I felt sad. Yet I remembered those words on the third day. I began to think about the affordable housing crisis that seems to be going on in America and how it keeps going fast-forwarding and fast-forwarding and getting worse and worse, how people are struggling just to pay rent, how it just seems to be continuing on. And I worry as I look at my kids, will we be the last generation of people who own homes and the rest from here on out will just be renters and then eventually probably be indentured servants and possibly slaves one day, right? I know my mind just goes off the cliff there, but I wonder those things. I worry about those things, right? I worry that's a little extra, but you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I felt the sadness of that, of people just wanting to find a place to put roots down that can't do that. It made me feel sad and to think about my kids, what the future holds for them in that. Yet, on the third day, I thought about, as I saw again on the news, those refugees that have had to leave family, their homes, their livelihoods, staying in tent places all around the globe looking for just a home to call and a place to stay, to rebuild, and hopefully maybe even one day go back. Yet, my heart yearns for them to do something for them and to help them. And I think how overwhelming that whole situation can be. And yet, I remember to this morning, on the third day, thought about my father, who I've told you before has Parkinson's that keeps progressing, he was just diagnosed with cancer and had a bed. He has to take a kidney out and all these different things that are going on in his life. And it just reminded me of how quick and frail life can be. And I got sad. But then I remembered on the third day. I began to think about my kids and just the world that they're growing up in and how, I don't know if it's truly true, but sometimes I get this perception that the world really cares about being famous making money, and not all the important things like character, and doing the right thing, and serving others before yourself, or being faithful to God instead of trying to always go after your own desires. And yet, I remembered on the third day. Or I think about, in my own life, this one's going to be personal because, you know, not many of you are pastors in the room, but I took a vow to serve the church and how the church keeps changing and evolving and, and all these different things. 
And I wonder, maybe my time in that vow is almost completed and maybe coming to an end in some ways, some point in the future. As I got sad about that, I remembered, guess what, you can say it, on the third day, right? Seven evils that I just named off that were pretty deep, right? That seven demons, modern day demons, if you will, that plague me, maybe plague you, maybe you'd insert or take one out, throw something else in there, or just make your own list. Sin is real. Evil is real. Death is real. And we come across it in so many different ways in our lives. And yet, as we're here today, resurrection changes that whole story. Changes it all. And transforms it anew where we, with our own hearts, can sing out, Where, O death, is thy sting? Where, O grave, is thy victory? When I think upon this, I thought upon the first people who encountered Jesus resurrected. It was the women, as all gospel accounts describe, that there were, yeah, amen, that's right, <laughs> that's right, amen, that when Jesus and his disciples were roaming around and doing it, it wasn't just the 12 of them and Jesus, it was actually a group of people a lot of times, and there was not just the 12 men, but there was a group of other people, and some of those included women, and some of those women, it says in the scriptures that they actually did a whole bunch to help Jesus, that they would take care of the needs as they would go around and preaching. And it was those women that were actually there that day. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke that we read from earlier, the Gospel of Luke in chapter 8 tells us a little bit about some of these women. And specifically, one woman, one woman that was, that I want to say here today, tells us not only about those that followed him that were women that helped him, but specifically a one woman that was named Mary Magdalene. You may be surprised to notice, but Mary Magdalene is mentioned throughout the Gospels, all four of them, in different times, different places, and yet we still know so little about her. In fact, it's amazing to look at what we learn in just Luke chapter 8 and kind of verses 2 through 3. We learn this about Mary Magdalene and some other women that she is named with there. We learn that she followed Jesus around, which we kind of established a minute ago, but if you didn't know that, she followed Jesus around and was faithfully going place to place with the group of people that followed him. And she specifically was one that cared for his needs, it says in that scripture. That just like the other women, they probably cooked meals, they probably hemmed his garments, they probably washed his feet after a hard day, they probably got things ready for him, made tents and all sorts of stuff like that. We know that maybe she was possibly wealthy, because it mentions there some other wealthy and influential people, and maybe she used some of her wealth and influence to help Jesus and the disciples spread the good news. But probably more than anything else, the thing that we learn from Mary Magdalene, the thing that stands out above all the others, is she had seven demons. And the gospel doesn't record the whole scenario, how it happened. It just kind of tells you that it happened. It says in that same verses there that she was Mary Magdalene, of whom Jesus had exercised not one, not two, but seven demons. And I know when I mentioned it before, those things that I mentioned that I've been dealing with or thought of that came to mind these last couple days were things that torment, that could torment, that could harm, that could do violence, that were unpredictable, that were scary. But yet hers were literal. Inside her. Causing that torment. Causing that self-harm. And yet Jesus said no. Even though we don't get the story, we see his other exorcisms that he persisted and what he did, and he said, in some ways, come out. And they left her. 
And she was with Jesus and was thankful. I think about those demons coming out of her and how it must have just freed her life, how she must have felt new and vibrant and just ready to rock in this world and watching Jesus do all these miracles, how she must just have been elated each time she saw someone step and walk for the first time or see out of their eyes or brind out their arm because it was crippled. And yet she was very familiar with darkness and death herself. She had lived in it for however long those demons had been with her. And yet, the, all the scriptures also record, all the gospels that is, record that she was one of the people as a witness to Jesus' crucifixion. In other words, while some were far off looking at what was going on, that Mary Magdalene was one of those that were closer, saw exactly what happened to Jesus in his final moments. See, Mary was very familiar with darkness and death. And I have to wonder, in that moment when Jesus Christ yelled out, it is finished, if there was not this huge part of her that wondered if everything was for naught, of going place to place and following Jesus, of the exorcisms that had taken place inside her and all these different things, if everything had come to a close. And yet death had won and sin had won and evil was the true winner. Of course, the next episode that you see Mary Magdalene, all the Gospels mention her again, and they mention that she goes to the tomb carrying spices. And the reason why is because when Jesus was brought down off the cross, they didn't have time to prepare his body for burial. In fact, it was the Sabbath, so they weren't allowed to do work, so they had to just lay him in the tomb as best they could, wrapped him in some linens, and the women came back after a couple days and was going back on that third day to prepare his body for funeral. And so they brought spices. And the key was they were expecting a dead man. Now, a couple years ago when COVID first started, I don't know if you were like me, but there wasn't much to do. You couldn't watch sports. You couldn't go outside. You couldn't go do, you know, movies, no nothing. So what did you do? I sat around and watched the evening news all the time. In fact, I kind of got like it was an evening news junkie, right? So if my kids were just too wild, I would record it and watch it later, right? And what I remember, I kept it on my DVR for the longest time. And finally, my DVR overrode it. No. But I kept it on there, and it was the nightly news from Easter 2020. And I remember they did a special, you know, of course, and they were going around and they were interviewing all sorts of people, you know, Christians, of course, because of Easter, but also Jewish people for the Passover and things like that. And they were interviewing people, and what I was amazed by it was they did this whole segment. It was probably like 10 minutes, right, of interviewing people about the season and what Easter means and all this stuff. And they just talked about how hope, it was a season of hope, season of hope. And I tried to find hope in that, <laughs> but I didn't really feel it, right? And, and they kept trying to say this, and, and I was amazed that out of all the people they interviewed, not one mentioned Jesus Christ dead and ro- rose again, right? Now, of course, they might have on the back screen, you know, they probably took 30 minutes of interview and then cut it down and just kind of got the one clip they wanted, right? But nonetheless, like, no one they interviewed mentioned the season of hope exists because of Jesus Christ. And I was amazed by that because, you know what, the good news, we can have hope here today, people, but the good news is because the women went that day with spices to the tomb expecting a dead man, right? They went expecting Jesus of Nazareth laid in a tomb, bound up in linen wrap, and waiting there to be prepared for burial. And yet when they went, the stone was rolled. 
And angels greeted them and said these words, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Oh, we have hope. Oh, Christians, we have hope and we have it deeply. And you think about inflation. You know what? I've read the scriptures. I've read about heaven. It doesn't mention money. And if there's inflation, God's got it covered. It's not a big deal, right? Not an issue in heaven, right? War, it talks about in scripture how we beat the plow, the swords into plowshares. Of how war is no longer existent. Affordable housing, ha! He's got the mansion we're living in, in all his different rooms. There's a place for you, for me, for every single person who follows Jesus Christ. For refugees, oh no, no, there's a city, an everlasting city, where people live and stay. Of sickness and death, no, no, no. That is gone away with as well, and every tear is dried by his own hands. Growing up in a, kid, in a world where things are just crazy and character doesn't matter. No, no, no. The very definition of what God is looking for in your and my life is character. And finally, a church that may be dividing or doing whatever it's going to do. No, no, no. In that day, all true Christians from all generations, from all places, both that have come and gone, that are alive today, are yet to come after us, are going to be there before the throne together in one voice, lifting up Jesus Christ because the man was dead and is now alive. Amen. Church, he was dead and he's alive. Amen. The women went to the tomb expecting a dead man and they found angels. And the Gospels record he was met them later and told them again these plans to meet them in Galilee. Why do you look for the living among the dead? O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? You see, Mary Magdalene was one of the first to witness. Probably the first to witness. And this woman who had been plagued by demons, this woman who carried spices, now knew of a risen Lord. See, Jesus is victorious over the grave, church. And you can have hope here today. Let us pray. Lord, as we are gathered here together, we thank you once again for your love and for the scriptures. And God, that these are not just stories that were told, but these were eyewitness accounts of people that saw you die, that saw you laid in a tomb, that recorded this story and eventually even died for this story to be told throughout generations. And so God, as it comes to us here again today, we stand amazed that not only are you the Lord who wants to find us, that you're the Lord who paid such a heavy price. And even once your disciples and all those who followed you even just abandoned you, you would rise again and come and find us yet another time. And so God, for all of us here today, let us find hope in that story. For God, truly, Jesus, you are the Lord who's come to us. May your Holy Spirit fill all of our hearts in these moments. And for any who don't know you or just never followed you or never put their faith in you, may, in these, may you in these moments meet with them. God, that not only could their soul become birthed anew and that they could once again shout the praises with your people, but they could leave, but they could leave here knowing what we